And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. I'm just thrilled this morning to have uh, Tommy and Reese Moore with us. Brother Tommy is the superintendent of the West Florida District of the Assemblies of God. And he and Sister Reese have invested their entire lives in ministry. Uh, for the for for the 23 years, 24 years before they became the superintendents of the West Florida District, what that means is they oversee about 160 churches, and I want to say some 300, 400, something like that, ordained, credentialed ministers, and uh, they they're just a blessing. This is my pastor. Many times I'll I'll not know exactly what to do about something, and I'll pray, and so often I'll give I'll give Brother Tommy a call and say, Tommy, I need some wisdom. I need some advice. And he's so great about that. Let me tell you the shortly after Kathy and I came 14 years ago, uh, I was on my way with, I don't even know who I was with, but they said, I want you to go out. I want you to see this church in the country. And we went to Carmel Assembly of God, which these guys pastored and built. And you're out in the beyond Sneeds and anyway, out in that area. And uh, you, you can correct me when you, when you get up here, Tommy. But, I mean, you're out in the middle. You're in the woods. You're, it looks like we're going out there to go hunting. And suddenly you come upon this giant church, a beautiful, beautiful uh, campus. And it's amazing how God used Tommy and Reese to build that church. And I'm just so glad they're here with us today. I want you to put your hands together. Make them welcome, Brother Tommy and Reese Moore. God bless you, buddy. We love you. Amen. Well, what we like to say is God did it in spite of us instead of because of us. <clears throat> Good morning again. Good to see the Reinersons back there. They were a part of that church family with us for a season, and uh, uh, good to see them uh, in service today. Always good to see a familiar face. Amen. Well, this is an exciting day. It's a great day, and it's a right day. You are supposed to give honor where honor is due. Uh, we don't do that really well in our society today. Uh, we have a lot of, and I'm not going to preach on that, but uh, we have a lot of reasons, I guess, why. We've lost the, the culture of honor that should be in our society today. And I appreciate you as a church and to your leadership. Let me compliment you today for putting a great presentation together. Thank you for loving on your pastor. So just make it a 365, why don't you? 365 days out of the year. Why don't you just always appreciate them in, in special ways because you have a great treasure in your pastor and in your, in your spiritual leaders. And I know that you know that as well as your staff. You've got some awesome folks here and uh, we love them all. And, um, we may have to kidnap a little Barnes before we leave here today. She's a little dumpling over there. And I don't have, I won't take long to fellowship, but I will tell you this, Reese and I did pastor for 24 years of our ministry. And uh, after coming into the district office, uh, actually, uh, this coming week, we will have been elected into the office for five years. That seems impossible, but it has been that long. Uh, but one of the things that we really miss about pastoring is our church babies. <laughs> um, we don't have church babies anymore. And we had church babies for 24 years along with our babies. Uh, and uh, it was always people coming up and the videos today of the children and those kind of things. Those are the things that we really miss. So it kind of gets a little emotional today uh, to see all of that. So we just have to get church babies wherever we go. So we'll take some of these ministry babies and just call them ours today and to make them our spiritual grandkids. That's a wonderful thing. Amen. 
Well, wonderful. Well, listen, we're going to, you know, I know it's Pastor Appreciation Day, but I know I did this last year, was honored to do this for you, Reese and I were last year as well. And Pastor said to me then, look, you don't have to preach a Pastor Appreciation Day message. If you'll just come and bring a word from the Lord for our church, that's what we would prefer for you to do. Uh, So that's what we're going to do again today. Our message is not necessarily about Pastor Appreciation Day, uh, but I want to preach to you this morning on the subject of hope. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of first Peter today. I actually want to talk to you today about a noticeable hope, a noticeable hope in our lives as believers. Now I had already selected, I had not already selected the Holy spirit had already put in my heart what I was to preach today before seven o'clock last night. (laughs) Some of you will put the pieces of that puzzle together. (laughs) wasn't a very good afternoon, late afternoon and early evening in Tallahassee, I know, yesterday. And I was sitting in a restaurant having to watch it, and I was um, uh, almost embarrassing my wife, I think, and some folks that was with us going, yes, no, yes, no, no, no. Well, I didn't have to bring that up, did I? <laughs> That's probably not wise. Young pastors take a note of that. Never bring a negative subject like that up just before you preach. But I already had felt that the message today was to be about hope. Amen. And it's far beyond anything in this world. Amen. Aren't you glad that we have that kind of hope this morning? Amen. First Peter chapter three, verse number 15. The apostle says it like this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be willing and ready, he said. Have it so settled in your heart that you can always give an answer to people who ask you, why do you have this hope inside of you? How can you be so optimistic? Why are you hopeful in writing to the Hebrews and trying to help the Hebrew people to understand the new covenant versus the old in Hebrews chapter six, verse 17, the apostle said this, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hope upon the hope that to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Father, would you allow us to be anointed by your Holy Spirit for the next few moments to deliver the word that you've placed in our heart, and may we see results of that in this altar in Jesus' name, and we'll thank you for it, and everyone said amen. This morning I want to reiterate to you that our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. I would hope this morning that everyone in this room would have a noticeable hope in their life. That it would be obvious that they are not like others around us this morning. 
You see, this scripture that we just read from the book of Hebrews, and this again is the the apostle trying to get the Jewish people to understand that Jesus has come and he has fulfilled the law and we now no longer have to do everything like we used to do it in the tabernacle, but now we can by grace enter into the presence of the Lord and by faith receive what God has for us. And he says that, that we need to understand how this works and there's some terms and we don't have time to look at every one of those words this morning, but such terms there that that talk about stability and a firm hope and a, a lack of movement and and the immutability or the unchangeableness of God and these are things that we just don't see in our world today everything seems to be changing everything seems to be shaky everything seems to be moving everybody seems to be fearful there seems to be great uncertainty at every angle that we turn in all of our lives and no one seems to really feel in the world today that they have a good grip on everything that is going on But the apostle uses those kind of words as he talks about our wonderful God and the things that God wants to put into our life and the fact that they are sure and they are not changing and they are stable and they are constant and they are steady this morning. Aren't you glad that you know God like that today? Amen. He will not change and his word never changes. So he establishes the fact that our hope is in this absolutely unchanging, immutable God. He talks about the fact that it is anchored... Our hope is anchored within the veil. Well, the the Jewish people certainly understood that because of their understanding of the Old Testament tabernacle. And they knew that that tabernacle was surrounded by an outer court, uh, a curtain that created the court of the Gentiles or the court of the congregation. And it created a place where there was an altar of sacrifice and then a laver for washing. And then there was inside of that area a rectangular tent, which was the tabernacle itself. The the first portion of that uh, tent was was called the holy place. And inside that holy place, there were three articles. There was the table of shoe bread. There was the uh, seven lamp candle stand that was there. And then there was an altar of incense that was set just before this huge veil. And this veil is what is referenced here. And beyond that veil, where the apostle says our hope is anchored today, was a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Anybody ever heard of that? Well, many of you have, even if you've never read the Bible, you've heard of it. There's been a lot of folks trying to find it for many years. Even Hollywood is, has uh, uh, capitalized on searching for the lost Ark of the Covenant and, and that's been a theme many people are aware of. But behind that veil is where the Ark of the Covenant sat. This was the most important piece of the furniture in the tabernacle because it was a, it was a, a chest of wood overlaid with gold. On the top of it there were two cherubims and they, they stretched their, their wings over this place called the Mercy Seat and it was there where the high priest on the day of atonement would enter on three different occasions and sprinkle a type uh, mixing of blood there on that mercy seat until finally the heavens would open up and the Shekinah glory of God would rest on that mercy seat in that holy of holies as that area is called where the priest would be able to meet with God one time a year one man what a limited access but it was all that was there until one day Jesus died on the cross and while he was dying he said it is finished he didn't mean it's all over he meant it is now complete and the finger of God came down to that tabernacle or that temple in Jerusalem which was a type of the tabernacle and he ripped that veil from the top to the bottom and he opened up access where every man was now free to enter into the presence of God and the presence of God was now free to commune with every man because Jesus paid it all. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So inside of that Ark of the Covenant, it was such a very, very important place. And, 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 and the apostle says our hope is anchored beyond that veil. He's not talking about in that particular piece of furniture. But you see what that piece of furniture represented inside. There were three articles. One of those articles was the tablets where Moses had received the, the commandments of God on the mountain. And where the finger of God had literally written on those stone tablets, they were inside that chest. Also inside of that chest, there was an old of bread or manna that came from the wilderness as the children of Israel were fed miraculously by God. And there also was a rod there. It was Aaron's rod that budded. The rod that helped to to, uh, determine who the high priest was to be. That rod was laid before the presence of the Lord and and overnight it budded, blossomed, and bore almonds, the scripture teaches us. So I believe that what we see there is a type of the Trinity and God in his whole person. First of all, we see the tablets, which are the law that is the father figure. Next we see the manna, which is the bread of life. That is Jesus Christ, the son. And then we see Aaron's rod that budded. That is a type of the spirit that brings life and causes us to produce fruit. It is a picture of the Trinity, the triune God. And what the apostle is saying today is the hope that we have is not anchored in man. It's not anchored in a bank. It's not anchored in a government. It is anchored beyond the veil, which is the person of God and the presence of of God. Amen. The hope that I have today is in the person of God and the presence of God in my life and what he's going to do for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, give Jesus a hand today. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, I believe today, and I don't want to be too negative, but as I've already stated, we live in a hopeless world. I don't mean that everything is hopeless. I mean, people are without hope. A world where people are without hope. I was a few months ago, several months ago now, probably over a year. I don't think I shared this with you when I was here before, but uh, I was, I am that guy that sometimes lets Reese off at Walmart and I go around and come and park up on the, on the sidewalk by the garden center. That's me. (laughs) And I was waiting for her to come back out. I'd circled the parking lot a few times and nothing had fallen down. So I decided it wasn't a great day for biblical miracles. So I circled it seven times. So I just pull up and park on the sidewalk and waiting for her to come out. I began to observe people as they were walking in and out of Walmart. So many of them, it just caught my attention. They were going to Walmart in their pajamas. (laughs) Now, I don't think I'm a judgmental person. My heart goes out to people. I love people. I've never wanted to judge people by their appearance. And I I never thought that, but I wasn't intending to be judgmental, but it did catch my eye. And I thought, what would make people get up in the morning? It's three o'clock in the afternoon. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. They haven't taken a shower. They haven't washed their hair. They're still in their pajamas and they are going to Walmart just like they drug out of bed. Why in the world? It was just going through my head. I was just sitting there thinking these thoughts and I I really didn't expect a spiritual moment but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said it's because they have no hope it's because they have no hope why get up and take a bath why put on nice clothes why do anything because it's going to be the same mess tomorrow that it was today life is never going to get better we're stuck in this rut we're down and we can't get up there are too many people in Tallahassee Florida this morning that have never experienced the hope that you and I have that drags us out every morning and says get up this morning you're going to go and live this day for God whether you feel like it whether it looks like it whether you want to whether it's a good day whether it's a bad day there's something inside of us that drives us it's called hope and many many people do not have it this morning they're living with hopeless lives that's why they don't clean their yard 
<laughs> why? What's the use? Who cares? That's why they're just living a life of hopelessness. I think you get the picture. But the, the scripture that we started with this morning said, you need to be ready to give an answer to people as to why you have hope and about this hope that's inside of you. So there must be a way where you and I can possess a noticeable hope in our life. According to the book of Ephesians chapter two, verse number 12, this talks, this kind of tells us how all of this happens because there was a time when you and I didn't have hope either. Amen. That at that time you were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But thank God, then we got saved. Anybody ever got saved? I hope that excites you. Amen. I was a sinner before I got saved. Some of you will have to get over that. Now a district superintendent, whatever that means, and... I was once a sinner. Were any of you sinners before you got saved? Any of you? There was four or five of us in here that were. <laughs> no, we all were, weren't we? And, and we don't want to, we never want to live in our past, but would you go back there with me for just a moment? Do you remember the hopelessness? Do you remember the desperation? Do you remember the mess the devil had you in when all of a sudden there's an old, old song that says the Savior reached down for me and he had to reach way down for me, but he grabbed my hand, he brought me up, he set my feet on the rock. Aren't you, a, aren't you glad today that you found hope in Christ? Amen. It's worth shouting about today. Amen. Romans 8 and 24 says it like this. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why did he yet hope for it? In other words, this is all a faith thing. You really don't see all of this. I didn't see Jesus when I got saved. I didn't see him take my black heart out and wash it and put it back in white as snow. I didn't see that happen, but oh, I know that it did. Amen. And, and, and it takes faith to believe that. And it takes faith to have hope today. They're all tied directly together, but I'm so glad that I now have hope in my life. Amen. I'm glad that I'm not the wretch that I used to be. I'm glad that I'm not the sinner that I used to be. I'm glad that Jesus changed my life and now I have have hope. Amen. Well, if I have hope, people should notice that I have hope. We're talking about a noticeable hope. I take you back to the original uh, text today. He said, when people ask you about the hope that is in you, you should be able to give them a solid answer about why you have hope in a hopeless world. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. And I certainly don't want to condemn anybody this morning, but I'm going to ask a pretty pointed question. How long has it been since your hope was so noticeable that someone asked you about it? That's our take home today right there. Grab that. How long has it been that your hope was so noticeable that someone asked you about it? Wow. Just ponder that for a moment. <laughs> It's probably quiet for a reason because I had to ask myself the same question and I got really quiet. You know, that's, let me, I don't want to, I don't want to deviate too far right here, but uh, you've probably heard because I know Dr. McManus worked with you guys for a while and you might've heard him make this statement before that we know the scripture says to come out from among the world and be separate, touch not and handle not unclean things. And 
that the Lord will receive us. We understand that necessity of separating ourselves. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But that has been taken overboard in many circles today to the point where we do not even have contact with the world anymore. How would they ever notice we have hope if they never even see us? <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm afraid if I go very close to them, I might fall off in that old pit again. Well, then get a little more saved this morning. Amen. <laughs> Before you leave here today, get full of the Holy Ghost and get the power of God operating in you to where you know you'd never turn back. Amen. Uh, don't be afraid to go out and touch, touch some unclean people or, or be a part of what's going on. Uh, and I'm not talking about participating in their drinking and their, and their drugs and their, and their illicit sex. I'm not saying do that, but I'm talking about going being, uh, let's see, what was that term? Friend to sinners? <laughs> I know a great guy, a wonderful man. I'm telling you, he was quite religious. Well, really, he wasn't very religious, but Jesus was called a friend of sinners. He ate with sinner people. Oh, Brother Tommy, I just want you to pray for me. I got this job and everybody around me is unsaved and they just cuss and they just tell horrible stories and come in on Monday and all they do is talk about their parties all weekend. Pray God will deliver me out of that darkness. And oh, I just wish I could get a job at the church. <laughs> well, obviously you've never had a job at the church. <laughs> <laughs> Why would the Lord want to deliver you from that? Why couldn't your prayer be God strengthen me and put such a hope in me and turn the light on inside of me so bright that all of a sudden I start being the change agent in that atmosphere and all of a sudden God begins to use me. I'm telling you, God has strategically placed you where you are. Every student in this room today, God has strategically placed you on that campus. He has placed you in the job where you are, mom. He's placed you in the job where you are, dad. He's placed you in the community where you are today, family, to be salt and light to a hopeless world today. We need to show forth the hope that is in us. People need to realize there is something in us that they do not have and it ought to just get so strong that they come up and say what is it about you that's different <laughs> you seem to have hope that the world doesn't have let's talk about some ways very quickly that people can notice the hope that is within our life and that they should be able to notice that. The first one of those is because as believers in God and our faith anchored in him we have peace even when in troubled times. So people notice the hope in us because of the peace that we have in troubled times. Now, as I've already stated, there's some pretty uncertain times. You've just been some, through some really difficult times here in the city with the storm and everything that went through and all the devastation. And certainly as we went on around the coast, it was horrible. In difficult times like that, People should be able to see in believers that we don't react and respond like everybody else does. We don't spin off in fear. We don't, we don't go into terror tan, uh, tantrums and we don't, there's temper tantrums and terror tantrums. They're different. I've seen both. But according to the scripture, we're supposed to hope in the Lord. And when we have troubled times in our life, we can still hope in our God. Now, by hoping in God, it doesn't mean that you'll never have a difficult day. But what it means is that in your difficult day, your God will never leave you or forsake you, but will go with you always. The psalmist said it like this in Psalms 31 and 24. Be of good courage. 
and he will strengthen your heart. All of ye that hope in the Lord. Be of good courage. He'll strengthen your heart if you hope in the Lord. The world should see that kind of hope in us in difficult situations that we walk through. Colossians 1 and 27, the scripture says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mysteries among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. (laughs) Wow. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Amen. Though all hell assails me, though the world is crumbling around me Christ in me is the hope of glory and I will not despair and I'll not give up and I'll keep having faith and I won't be the murmurer and I won't be the complainer I'm just going to trust God first Timothy 1 and 1 Paul said to young Timothy Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ which is our hope amen So no matter what's going on around us, no matter the storm, our hope is in the Lord today. Amen. And people should readily recognize that we respond differently as believers to difficult situations because of the hope that is within us. The second way that people can notice that there's something different about them. I wonder why they're like they are. And it's because of this hope, according to the scripture. That's because we purify ourselves. Wow. First John 3, 3. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Wow. Some terms we don't hear a lot of in church anymore, although they are one of these I'm about to mention is certainly still one of our 16 tenets of faith. It's the subject of sanctification. Sanctification is very simply put, it is separation from the things of sin and the flesh and the world and dedication unto God. It is a two-way street. As I mentioned a while ago, some people try to only do the separation thing and they never get the dedication thing right. But truly sanctified lives are not only separated from the world in that we don't do all of the things the world does, separated by action, not necessarily always by geography and proximity, but separated by our actions, we, we act differently, we do differently, we respond differently. But we also then are dedicated to God in such a way that we live sanctified and purified lives in God. Now, there's not anyone in this room that's perfect. None of us, even though we may have been serving the Lord for a long time, we still can't claim perfection yet, okay? If you think you can, <clears throat> well... <laughs> You just need to talk to some people that are close to you. They can probably help you adjust your opinion of yourself. Amen. If you could handle it. We're not any perfect. Jesus was the only perfect person that ever walked the face of this planet and they crucified him. And you and I are not perfect except that we are in Christ Jesus. That's the only place our holiness comes from, our righteousness. But we do have an obligation to keep our vessel pure to keep our life pure, to keep our hands clean, to keep our life in a way that it glorifies God through the type of lifestyle that we live. And I know, again, I I hope I'm balancing this well and Pastor Terrell will fix everything that I mess up next Sunday, so come back, all right? I understand, as I've already said, we must be in this world, but not of this world. That is a fine balance that you have to learn to operate in in your life. But when you go out into this world, the world should notice you're not of this world. 
because you don't find pleasure in the same things they find pleasure in. You have purified yourself of bad habits. Maybe they'll notice it in your language. The fact you don't take the Lord's name in vain. You don't necessarily engage in critical and, and demeaning conversations and you don't, uh, you don't talk about people. You don't, what is that word I'm looking for? Gossip. That's it, isn't it? You don't gossip. You don't backbite. You don't tear people down. And they're going to, you know, beyond the fact that you don't get drunk every weekend and, and you don't, you, you know, you don't do drugs and you don't do and you don't run around on your wife and all these kind of things. They may notice all of that, but then they may notice, well, you know what? They, they don't, they don't even talk bad about other people. They, They've purified themselves some way. There's something different about them. Are we living such lives that testify to the sanctification of God's presence in our life that it could cause someone that we come in contact to look at us and say, what is this? What's up with you? And then could you give them an answer that it's the hope that is in me of who I am in Christ Jesus that causes me not to want to be just like this world? There's a lot of pressure to conform in the world that we live in today. But I'm telling you, we have been called not to conform, but to transform. Our presence in the world should be transforming. That's why God's placed you where you are. That's why God's called you to do what he's called you to do, is that someone might be transformed, not for you to conform, but that they might be transformed into the glory and image of God, just as you and I are working on doing. Amen? So how long has it been since somebody said, wow, What's, what's up with you? You're different. Now, you don't do that in a holier-than-thou way, in a condescending way. and No, that turns people off. But you just quietly and, 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 and steadily and consistently live a holy life. And it catches people's attention. It's a noticeable hope inside of you. Let me give you the third one very quickly. Another reason that I believe that people should recognize that we are have something in us that they don't have is because of the joy of the Lord that comes from our hope. Amen. Anybody happy? You know, Jesus this morning. Amen. You got some joy in your heart. Amen. I don't like to go to the first church of the chosen frozen. <laughs> and I'm not talking about other denominations. I'm talking about the ones in the assemblies of God. Everybody's sitting there looking like they've been sucking lemons before they got there. Anybody ever put a green persimmon in your mouth? That's not going to resonate with everybody. There are a few people in the room that it does. Their jaws just locked because it's an unforgettable experience. I've been to that church. <laughs> people sit there. They look at you. They're frowning. And you're wondering, what's up with this? According to the scripture, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. And, and, and there comes great joy. And people should notice that we have joy in our life. Amen. Romans 5, 2 says, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You know why we were rejoicing a while ago? Why we had our hands raised and we were clapping and some were jumping and some were dancing and some were swaying. You know why we're doing that? Not because we got the biggest bank account in Tallahassee. Not because everything's perfect in our world. Not because everything's just like we want it to be but we came into the presence of the Lord and we had no choice but to let the joy of the Lord overflow us and rejoice because of the hope that is in us today amen now I'm just going to challenge you to do a little of that out there where folks can see it that's going to wonder what it's all about I knew what you were doing <laughs> most of the people in the room knew what you were doing but why don't we do I'm not talking about necessarily getting into a total worship service at work they might do something with you if you did I don't know 
But I'm talking about that praise on your lips. That joy that comes out of your heart, that rejoicing that is birthed out of the hope that is within you, that people see that in your life. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans 12, 12 says we're rejoicing in hope and we're patient in our tribulation. We're continuing instant in prayer. Well, that's a good, <laughs> you want a recipe for life. There it is right there. Romans 12, 12. There's your great recipe of a way to live your life. First Peter one and three said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, a joyful hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope <laughs> fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. As many of you know, we went through a... Uh, have been going through a very difficult situation with the district. We had a horrible accident that happened in the second week of our kids camp. And we thank God that he has ministered to the two children that were injured in that accident. And we give him praise for their progress. And that has been our priority through this entire very difficult episode that we've been walking through. Miss Nancy works in our office. She is a RV Maps volunteer, her and her husband, and she works in our office and is a receptionist for us. And she went to Reese one day and she said, would, uh, would you please give Pastor Tommy a hug for me? And she hugged my wife and she said, would you hug him? I just can't help but notice he's not been smiling as much lately as he usually did. And it bothers me. I want to see him smile again. So when we got home that afternoon, Reese gave me that hug and said, that's from Miss Nancy. She's worried about you because she's noticed you're not smiling and you're not as joyful as you have been. It stabbed me in the heart because I said, Lord, I can't let any circumstance that I'm walking through, no matter how difficult it is, it can't steal my joy. I can't let it take my joy. I can't because God, you're still God and you're still on the throne. And so God, would you help me to put my smile back on and let me smile from deep down in here, even if everything around me is not something to smile about. And it's not an easy path sometimes that we're walking and it's difficult situations that we're walking in. Lord, would you remind me where my real peace comes from? where my real help comes from. And may, may I just have joy in the midst of every situation. I'm telling you, it is just time for people to notice one more time that God's people are happy people. Amen. Can I tell you something this morning? Grumpy is not one of the fruits of the spirit. <laughs> we sometimes get the seven dwarfs and the fruits of the spirit a little mixed up. I think, I think we've got that a little confused sometimes. Grumpy is not a fruit of the spirit. Well, we said, get out of my way. My goodness, how long is it going to take that girl at Walmart to check out that? Was He only had five items and it's taking her 30 minutes to get them. Can you? You got this little mother over here trying to manage two kids. There's always a screamer at Walmart. Always. At least one. I, you watch it. Every time you walk in, you listen. There's a screamer somewhere in that room. It's inevitable. We went into Walmart last night picking up some supplies for the event that starts tonight at the district. We were in there. It was, all, it was really kind of late on Saturday night. And we walked in. First thing I heard when I walked in the room, ah, rah, rah, I could hear him way across the building. There's always at least one screamer. And you look at that poor little mother. She's trying to manage those kids and her life is just a mess. And all we want to do is gripe and grumble about the screamer. Or why don't she get out of my way so I can get to the Doritos or whatever it is that you're trying <laughs> Excuse me. 
I don't think anybody's going to stop you and ask you about the joy that is within you and the hope that or the hope that is within you when they see that kind of attitude. But what if we can just laugh with them? What if we can just smile at them? What if we can just just enjoy some things around what, you know, they're embarrassed, a difficult situation sometimes. But if we can show some joy in the middle of that, people are going to go, what is up with you? You are different. What do you have that makes you have joy in the middle of a situation like this? They're going to notice the hope that is in us. And the apostle said, then you be ready to give them an answer. We're talking about God providentially opening doors of opportunity for us to reach the people around our life because of the hope that is in us. And I'm closing with the fourth and final thing that would cause people to notice that there's something in us that they may not have and they may desire they want. It's because we look for a better place. (laughs) Because we look for a better place. We don't stay earthbound in all of our thought processes and in our life. But we have this drive inside of us about a better place, a better time, a greater future. Something that's out of this world. Mm -mm -mm. Now, you could just preach right there for about an hour. I'm not going to. Don't worry. Got a big red clock staring me in the face. I know I'm already five minutes over time on your time, so I'm quickly closing. But let me tell you, the real things we hope in are out of this world today. Amen. Titus 2 and 13 said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what's driving us this morning. That's where our real hope is. It's beyond this world. People should see that. They should notice that in our life. It should become obvious to them. The book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 3. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or people that have already died, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that immutable, unchanging God, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord will not prevent those which are already asleep in him. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to meet them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord in the air. And he said, so comfort one another with those words. Amen. You want something that will get you through the day. Just think about Jesus may come before lunch. Jesus may come before the sun goes down. Jesus may come before you ever have to balance your checkbook again. Hallelujah. Jesus may come before you ever have to look at that boss man again. You may see Jesus before you see the boss. Glory to God. Students, you may see Jesus in the clouds of glory coming to catch his church away before you even have to look at that professor again. If not, persevere and keep going. He's coming. Amen. You still got to go to class. Don't stay home and tell your professor I was at the house waiting on the rapture. I just slept in this morning. I thought Jesus might come before finals, so I didn't go. No, you can't do that. You have to occupy until he comes. But he's coming, church. I said he's coming, church. I'm afraid we've lost that message out of our pulpit.
this in America. That Jesus is coming again. And he's coming after people that have made themselves ready. And he's coming after a people that possess hope in him this morning. That transcends anything in this world. He may not come today. He may not come this year. He may not even come in my lifetime. But he certainly could. But I'm going to look for him every day, Pastor Zach. I'm going to look for him every day. I'm going to expect it. And it is a hope within me that lets me know that no matter how difficult things are, I could get out of here any minute. Amen. All I'm waiting on is for the horn to blow. And we're out of here. Wow. Lift your head up this morning. Quit being so cast down. Where's your hope this morning? Where's your hope? Do you possess a noticeable hope in your life this morning? God has called you to be people of hope. He's called us to be people of hope. Not people that are cast down, trodden down by the things of this world. He's caused us to be people of hope. And as we are people of hope, this world will notice the hope that is in us. And we can transform Tallahassee and the world if we'll live this thing out outside of these four walls. God, don't let us just be hopeful when we're here. When Pastor Terrell and, and Miss Kathy and this wonderful staff are pouring into us and, and propping us up and, and keeping in the worship team. I mean, anybody can have hope when a team like that's singing. <laughs> I thought I was getting raptured a couple of times this morning. Amen. The worship's just so good in this church. Amen. That's phenomenal stuff. Sure, we can have hope here. But what's it going to look like tomorrow in your life? When the rubber meets the road in your life. When you go back out to the nitty gritty, to where the people who really need this message for the most part are, are we going to carry it with us in such a hopeful way that they notice the hope that's in us? Now notice, now notice that I'm not asking that you do something for them to notice you. It's not about me, but it's the hope that is in me. Because see, it doesn't matter. They may forget your name. And you may fade out of their life. But if you can some way impart the hope that is in you into their life and get them to accept what you've accepted, they'll never, ever, 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 ever forget that. It'll change their life not only for this world, but for eternity. Amen? It's possible this morning that someone might have come into this building today that doesn't possess the kind of hope that I'm talking about this morning. It's highly possible that you came to Evangel this morning and you're searching and you're looking for hope. You're looking for someone, something, anything. You just feel hopeless this morning. Maybe there's even been some times in your life this week that you might have said some things like, there's no hope. There's no reason for me to keep trying. And hear me in love this morning, and I mean this very sincerely. You may be one of those people who just as soon go to Walmart in your pajamas. It doesn't matter to you. You've just been hopeless. I'm not being critical of you this morning. My heart breaks for you. I'm not judging you. I'm not pushing you down. I understand why you're where you are. Because you have an enemy. You have an adversary. And he doesn't want you to hope. And he's told you that there is no hope. But I've come to counteract all of that in your life today under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As a voice from God, I've come to tell you what your heavenly father says about you this morning. He doesn't say that you're hopeless. He doesn't say that there's nothing good in you. He doesn't say that there's no way to help you. Your heavenly father stands with open arms this morning and says, if you'll just come to me, I want to clothe you in robes of righteousness. I want to put a hope inside of you. I want to help you with what you're facing. I didn't tell you, and I'm not telling you this, but if you walk to this 
this altar this morning and you pray a prayer and you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that when you walk out of these doors, every one of your problems are going to be gone. No, they're not. They're going to be just like they were when you came to this altar, except for one problem. Your sin problem is going to be dealt with. And when your sin problem's dealt with, you now have access back into that place I was talking about a while ago. The total presence of God now is open to you. The veil has been rent and through the blood of Jesus, you now have access into the presence of God. You now have something to anchor your life in. And now we'll start letting God deal with all the stuff in your life. And he will. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, hover over this congregation with your sweet Holy Spirit. Would you just be sweet and real right now in this room? Because I think you want to change somebody's life right now for eternity. You're going to change what's happening in their world now, but you're going to do something eternal in their life as well. And I thank you that you're doing it. Would you just remain with your heads bowed for just a moment? I will not belabor this altar call today, but I do want to give people an opportunity to make a change in their life. If you're a hopeless person sitting in this room this morning, by that I mean you have no hope. If you're a person in this room who has no hope this morning or little hope, or maybe you've been hoping in the wrong things. Maybe your hope has been in your own ability to fix your life and you haven't been able to do it. Maybe your hope's been in your money. Maybe your hope's been in your friends. Maybe your hope's been in the society, the world, the government, and it's all failed you and it's let you down. And you just feel like you don't know anything, nowhere to turn today. You just don't know where to turn. Jesus is here saying, come to me. All of you that labor and are just tired of toiling. And I'm going to give you some rest today. And I'm going to give you hope. If that's you this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to make you do anything. We're not going to come call you out or anything like that. But if you're here today and you need Jesus as your savior and you need hope, you need hope. Maybe you've noticed that hope in this room this morning. These people have got something I need. They've got hope and I need that hope. Just slip your hand up today and say, pray for me. That's me. I need to change my life. Thank you, sir. Jesus loves you today. Thank you, ma'am. Jesus loves you. Thank you, sir. I see you right there. God bless you. Jesus sees you. Most of all, God bless you, ma'am. Jesus sees you today and he died for you. He loves you. You're not here by accident this morning. You're not here by accident. You came here this morning under the divine providence of God to hear that there is hope when you don't think there's any hope. I said there is hope when you don't think there is any hope. I feel like I need to say this to somebody right now under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. People have given up on you. You have let some people down. The way the enemy has been working in your life, it's caused people to give up on you. And some people have already shook their head and walked away and said, there's no hope for you. You're not going to make it. I don't know who that is in this room, but it's somebody that the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to this morning. I've come to tell you that God has a different word for you today, and he's about to show himself mighty in your life. And the naysayers around you will see that there is something to what God is doing in your life, and they're going to see that there is hope for you today. God loves you, and he cares for you this morning. There's a heavy anointing of the Holy Ghost in this room right this moment. I'm treading, I'm treading very cautiously this morning because I sense a very heavy anointing of the Holy Spirit here to transform lives right now. How many of you in this room would say, Pastor, I'm already a believer. 
but I'm telling you, I'm struggling so hard right now with some issues in my life. It's hard for me to hold on to hope. And I just need to get a fresh, fresh grasp of hope in my God. I need to anchor my life deep in him today because I don't know. Maybe it's in the physical realm. Maybe it's in the emotional realm. Maybe it's in your marriage, your finances, your family. I don't know, but I've got to, I got a hope in the Lord. I've got a hope in the Lord because I'm I, sometimes doubts trying to creep in and I, and I don't want that. And I, I'm fearful as to what this may end up in my life if I don't get a hold of it now. I'm a believer, but I need to get a fresh grasp on hope this morning. Would you lift your hand and just say, pray for me. That's me. They're all over the building, all over the building. I need a fresh grasp on hope. And then one final thing could I ask you this morning. How many of you say that you want to possess a noticeable hope in your life so that the people that, that God has strategically placed you around are going to notice, wow, there's something different in them. And then you're going to be ready to answer them about the glorious hope that you have in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost today. How many of you want to be a part of that kind of revival in Tallahassee where they see a noticeable hope in your life? There, I think it's all of us this morning. We agree. Here's what I'm about to do. I'm going to ask you to stand in just a moment. If you raised your hand and said, I need to accept Christ today as my Savior. I came here needing hope. My life is a mess. Now listen to me. Don't you sit there and think, well, I need to fix everything and then I'll come back next Sunday. No, you won't. You'll never get it fixed. You'll never get it fixed and most likely you'll never come back. Don't you let the devil do that to you this morning. Today is the day of salvation and hope in your life. Don't miss what's about to happen in your life. Amen, church? Come on, let's agree. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. When I do, if you lifted your hand for that first invitation, as you are standing, don't break your stride. As you're standing, start walking. And I want you to come straight to this altar. The prayer team is coming right now, so you won't be coming alone. The prayer, the altar workers are coming right now, and you're going to just come up here. You won't be the only person at the front. They're going to come and kind of break the silence here. They're going to break the ice. They're going to be here waiting on you this morning, and you're coming. They're already coming. Stand up with me this morning all over the building. Stand up with me this morning all over the building. If you need Jesus, I want you to come right now. And I want you to come straight to one of these prayer workers this morning. I need Jesus. It's time to change my life today. Amen. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7.00. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.